Welcome to The Application, the go-to, how-to podcast for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Allison Tercio, Assistant Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, this podcast is packed with practical tips and actionable advice to help you elevate your marketing game. In each snackable episode, we bring in experts to share their insights and experience on the topics that matter most to you. Got a question or idea you'd like us to cover? Email team at enrollify.org or reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. The application is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. And if you like this show, you'll definitely want to check out our other higher ed focused podcasts on admissions, tech, marketing, and more. They're packed with stories, ideas, and tools to help you be the best in your field. All right, it's time for the show. Hi, everyone. With us today is Eric Mena, the co-founder of Loper, a platform revolutionizing how institutions connect with prospective college students. We'll be exploring emerging tools that empower students to discover their right fit college, even ones without brand names, while also discovering alternative methods for colleges to engage with prospective students beyond traditional sources like the College Board. Welcome, Eric. Thanks so much for having me, Austin. Eric, let's get started by understanding the landscape here. How have the methods of students finding their ideal colleges evolved in recent years? And what role does technology play in that? Yeah, it's a great place to start. And I think before talking a lot more about Loper and what we do in the space today, it's helpful to take it way back when, probably before anyone that we know in this audience was really working in admissions, to think really in the 1980s, back when newspapers and published guides were the most predominant forms of really allowing students to explore the landscape you might see something come out from the Washington Post that really then begot things like the U.S. News and World Report, which started in the early 80s, and those different rankings, guides, and different sources that students could use to actually categorize based on what we'll talk about potentially later on or subjective metrics to actually measure these different institutions. So that was how it all started. But then over the following years, there was this huge influx of things transitioning to the internet, and a lot of those traditional sources went online as well allowing a new type of product to come out called college search products. And that's what we've really seen proliferate over the last two decades. Those are your search engines. Those are your college scorecards, your different types of college, big future by the college board, basically filtering on massive data sets. And the problem with those is that while they still are layering on aspects of rankings and other categorical methods for students to bucket schools, they generally do two things poorly. The first is they don't personalize the search experience based on a student's actual multidimensional criteria. The buck really stops at like 10 to 12 factors. And the second is they're not really going into the bite-sized detail and content structure that students want today. They're still predominantly internet-based tools. So fast forward to 2023, there's an emergence of new types of products that are trying to help students with this idea of holistic post-secondary exploration. And that's where I label Loper as an emerging player in the space. I mean, for a long time, College Board has been the go-to resource for colleges to identify those potential applicants, but it, but there's also been all of these places where students have been searching, and as you say, they're sort of one-dimensional. What? Tell me more about how they're one-dimensional in terms of the user experience and the questions they ask a student to help them find a college. 
For sure. I'm not going to label specific sources here, but I think if you asked a lot of high school counselors, if you asked a lot of college admissions reps, like what sources they were familiar with, if you actually dug into those sources, one dimensional there means that they're really only assessing the institutional characteristics at the highest level to help a student assess their fit. Here we're thinking about things like location, we're thinking about things like school size, really things that you could find in a publicly available data set. And if you were an Excel whiz, you could do the filters yourself without some type of front-end user experience. The problem is that there are many, many, many big schools in New York. There are many, many small schools in New York. There are many, many schools in college towns, schools in urban settings. There are many schools that offer English. And when you use these top-level basic filters, you're not really giving students that personalization that's going to dig into the day-to-day experience and how they're going to be building towards the type of experience that's going to suit them best after high school. So a lot of these one-dimensional characteristics are provided for on behalf of whether it's the college board or those other search providers, really leaving students scrounging for that extra layer to help them understand, cool, what does this mean for me when I step on campus at this institution? And why now? Why do we need to be thinking about this now, both in terms of institutions who are seeking alternative and emerging ways to connect with students, and also in terms of how students are conducting their search now? Why why is now the time to think about this differently? Yeah, there's a ton of reasons in the broader search landscape why now is a really, really critical space for us to consider innovating on the way that students explore options. But let's like hone in on one really big piece of it. What is happening more broadly with student search and testing today? So over the past, you know, four or five years, what we've seen, and I'm not going to educate your audience on the traditional and outdated nature of student search, we've seen a massive overhaul of traditional testing agency student search audiences. In its simplest form, whether it's through an external consultancy or done internally on your team, I'd bargain that most folks that are listening to this are working in institutions where they're buying reels upon reels of student names with very minimal information about them. Those institutions are left scrounging for some type of detail that they can use to turn mass outreach into really, really good content to convert a student into an inquiry, excuse me. Now, the reason that this is a tailwind for us is because the test optional movement is undoubtedly here to stay. And a lot of these agencies, a lot of these providers are trying to figure out new ways to conduct student search. And unfortunately, the solutions they're creating just aren't necessarily cutting it. It's worth noting that while I think the pandemic was an accelerant to this trend, I don't think it was the only catalyst. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe CN has been test optional long before COVID. And that's one of the things that you're proud about as an institution. Yes. And it's not a first mover advantage anymore because everybody's test optional. So it, it doesn't help us in connecting, for instance, with the students that we're purchasing through search like it once did. Exactly. And on top of that, we can think about the student version of how they engage with the college board and The entire digitalization of the SAT, the creation of the new Connects platform has left a really, really massive gap in the way that the college board and maybe other testing agencies down the line are able to gather students' consent and actually disseminate their information and distribute to schools. So there's more broadly a ton of uncertainty in the traditional student search space as it has been supplied by traditional testing agencies. And unfortunately, the volume game doesn't look like it's going to improve anytime soon. I would just add there that, you know, if we were to look quantitatively, kind of bouncing off all of this with the College Board, another founder, Vinay, in our broader ed tech space just released an analysis on Forbes, where his company found that 100,000 names purchased in a student search environment 
yielded only 43 enrollments for colleges and universities. So if we're looking at those types of numbers, why are we devoting such high and heavy resources to trying to milk that crowd if we don't think that the audience is really worth it anymore? Yeah, and then I think about schools perhaps that have a more regional presence or not as big of a brand name. I think that whether it's College Board or any other source, when we're doing traditional approaches to search marketing, I think the schools that have established brands and reputations are probably more likely, they're going to have way higher response rates, right? And vice versa, when students are using some of these search tools, college search tools or college fit finder tools, they are also going to be attracted to the names that show up as the results. They're going to be scanning and they're going to see the ones that are familiar to them or are known to them or ones that have sort of a national brand name presence. And I think that poses a challenge for most of us doing this work. Absolutely, it does. Without first getting into how Loper is solving that problem on our platform. One thing I just mentioned as we're talking more broadly about the space, you know, a rankings list or some typical type of search provider is going to show student less than 1% of the total institutions available to them. And that's a really important thing to know. Less than 1% scoping of the total availability and optionality is horrible visibility for a student in their exploration. Moreover, to your point, it doesn't matter if students can set 12 filters to find 50 schools that match basic preferences of what they're looking for. When they see the three schools that they had heard of from someone else in their family or someone in their community or just through ads that they saw on a billboard, then they're more likely to click that institution and that's where I go back to traditional search tools. You need to know the name of the schools you're looking for. That's not exploration. That's not helping students discover anything. Yeah, that's more information getting than exploration. Exactly. That's just research. And it's not really student-friendly research at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I feel like what you're really talking about is a more personalized approach to delivering potential colleges to students. And I think it makes sense because I like to think of this generation as the soda machine generation. So, and, and, and I want everyone to just picture with me, it's athletic summer camp, sports camps in the summer at Siena. So we have, you know, kids like my kid's age, I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old up through teens and you go in the dining hall and the line for the soda machine and they've got to, they have their self-selections. They have their five or six combinations of things that they're mixing in the soda machine. So they personalization and customization is just huge. It's a given for this generation. So I feel like that's really what you're talking about when you're talking about new ways of students being able to match to colleges and new ways of colleges matching to students. 100%. I'll actually echo your analogy with the way that I talk about it with some of our college partners. Today's students grew up with frozen yogurt bars where they could actually go and see all of their toppings and pick across all their toppings and select the ones that were most relevant for them. We grew up going to ice cream parlors where there were sprinkles and there were five different toppings that we could choose from and we knew what the combo that we had available to us was. It's a totally different game for curated content with Gen Z. They are demanding, it is table stakes to meet them with really, really catered information that matches what they're actually spending time engaging on. And unfortunately, if you look at the way that a lot of higher ed marketers are conducting their top of funnel comms, they are not taking that into consideration. They are not starting their first messages 
with that baseline level of personalization that helps a student feel like the college is doing more than mass outreach in a broader student search pool. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting constantly confused by all of the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction and even worse, melt. You knew this was going to happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come to Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software. Adriana from admissions just got set up with her new CRM and Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes symptoms like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their journey, from prospect to alumni. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT and more, can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that Allison from the application sent you their way. Yeah, this is one of my bugaboos because I always say that when we're outreaching to students, I mean, putting their name or like the major they're interested in into our communication is just a mail merge. That is not personalization, although we call it personalization. I try to talk about, okay, if we're going to call that personalization, then I want to talk about personal. How can we make the content that we're sending and the communication that we're sending feel very personal to the student? And I love your idea of catered information. Who doesn't want that? Nobody, nobody is out there saying that they don't need it, but unfortunately, everyone is left looking about where to find it. And we don't get to decide. It's not higher ed as an industry that gets to decide where this bar is set. It's the other industries like you're talking about. It's the frozen yogurt. It's what they get served on Amazon. It's what they see on social media. That is setting the expectation for what they would like their college search process to be like. Absolutely. And it's a good transition for really thinking about why we built the product the way that we did. We took lessons of how students were engaging with personalized content from other industries and said, hey, today's post-secondary exploration necessitates a level of engagement that students receive from other products that they're spending time with daily. Your typical student today is not going to go on and set filters on a basic website data set anymore to build out a college search. They're going to scroll through a feed, and if it's not curated to them, they're going to close the app and move on to something else that's more interesting. It's unfortunately the world we live in. 
So first, let's talk about the user experience that you're talking about. Can you share some specific examples that truly let the person, the student, personalize this potential college list? Yeah, absolutely. So Loper is very intentionally designed, much like you might see dating apps designed in other platforms and in other industries. The way that it works for students is they start by creating a super simple profile that helps them immediately prioritize some of the things that they really want to dig into deeper for their post-secondary exploration. Our profile building is where most other search tools stop. And that's just to start our overall user experience. Once users set up their profiles, they'll receive personalized questions to dig further into each of those things that they've expressed interest in. To give you a couple of examples there, if I'm a student that's really passionate about my on-campus experience, I'm going to get asked questions about my housing environment, what type of recreation centers I'm looking for, what the student experience looks like on weekends, and what my classroom environment looks like, maybe even whether or not I'm commuting to school and what that looks like for me as an on-campus attendee. Alternatively, if I'm a student that's really passionate about diversity, equity, inclusion, I'll be, asked student, I'll be asked questions about being educated by professors of color so I can visualize myself in the seats of those above me, being educated by female professors as a female student to make sure that there's representation, having access to multicultural organizations or having strong representation across a bunch of different categories in my student body. So the reality, though, is that students will pick a bunch of these different factors, right? It's not like a student's only going to be interested in DE&I or campus and facilities. We're going to help show them all of these things piece by piece and help them personalize that exploration so that they're analyzing each component and building up to that college experience that they're striving for. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a bit like intersectionality, that you're finding those points and uplifting them for for students so they can really start to see their experience and see their selves at those colleges and universities. Exactly. And it's even a layer deeper than that, where we force the student to ask themselves those questions. Yeah, that they might not have thought about. It's very reflective. Yeah. Yeah, that's we like to call it an introspective platform. That's one of the biggest things we hear from counselors and students alike. Counselors will say, my students are answering questions that I've been asking them for years. And the students will say, no one has even told me that I can ask these questions about my post-secondary search. So we'll have students really spend time on that introspection first. And then to your point on really reducing the bias that exists in the personalization of the discovery, we're then going to show students institutions and actually hold off the name of the school when they see it for the first time. And that is our nod to saying no to the prestige that really clouds a student's exploration when they do it at the onset. What we want to do is analyze schools, not for their name, but for the things that they offer the student. The name should be among the last things that a student considers. Refreshing for sure. And I have tried this app out, everyone, I want to tell you. And although I've been married for over a decade, one of my favorite things to do is help my brother-in-law on his dating apps. And I have to say that this does have that flair of user experience the same way you get to swipe right and swipe left it's there's a bit of fun in here too yeah we very intentionally wanted to meet students where they are with something that made it enjoyable to do the work of discovery if it's not fun to search then no one's going to do it yeah and and when i talk to students all the time and you ask them how they feel about the college search process they say overwhelmed they say anxious they fa- say stressed so this is putting them in a different mindset and a different emotional place as they're conducting this search, which I think is great for everybody. It's better for the students. 
And even to layer on how we turn this product into something that really benefits your, your audience as higher ed marketers, as you all think about what your typical college search providers lend you in terms of the ability to reach a target audience, we're learning way more about our user base and the interests that they're expressing on the platform because of this exploration. Two data points that I am unbelievably proud of after our first year on market. First of all, we know we're building a super high intent channel where last year, our first graduating class, 90% of our users that graduated last year applied to schools that they saved on Loper and discovered and knew through the platform. So we know that we're really successful in terms of showing students good, personalized, high intent options. The second data point that I'm really proud of, and it's something that will excite your higher ed marketer audience here, is that the standard student on Loper is inputting over 100 unique preferences about their post-secondary search. When you think about the ability to categorize and segment your audiences, especially when you layer on our artificial intelligence and how we'll do it for you, that's where segmentation can get to the next level for your communications. Yeah, so those are some really great opportunities already about how institutions, I feel like, can meet students where they are. And what other examples do you have of how colleges have leveraged this app in a really creative, innovative way with some good outcomes? Yeah. And if I'm com- if you're comfortable with it, I'd actually love to use your institution as an example here. Oh, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so I, I have Sienna's you know, campaigns that we're running today. And the first thing that I'll mention, which you might have a perspective on as well for any social stuff that you're doing. Some of the campaigns that Sienna is running on the platform is seeing click-through rates, engagement rates that are broaching 8 9% already. When you compare that to mobile channels and what click-throughs you're getting elsewhere, we're looking at somewhere between, I would expect, you know, three to five times your benchmarks on other channels. So that's one of those success points. But in terms of like the specific examples, you all are running, as an example, a campaign right now that's pretty targeted, reaching students that are looking for a sense of community in their future institution. And you know that when I had a chance to visit you in Loudonville, we talked about your Petrata and how students join in those families on Siena's campus. We're prioritizing messaging about a tight-knit graduating class to that student body who's really passionate about their future community and their institution. And that's an example where we're seeing really high engagement rates and amazing rates of those students saving Sienna on Loper and adding it to their list as a viable institution to apply to. Yeah, I think what we're getting is more than we thought we would get because we, when we signed on, we thought we would get leads of students. But what we're also getting is some messaging intelligence and also audience intelligence. I think we're understanding our target student better and who might be the most interested and thrive at Sienna than we otherwise new. And also I love because we're running all these different campaigns and it's so clear of the click-through rates, which of our messages really hit home and resonate the most with students, which is so informative for other work that we're doing. So it was almost like bonus things that we didn't even know going in that we would get out of it. (laughs) Which is great feedback for me because it means I got to do a better job of prefacing the offering to make sure you know exactly what you're getting. We like to frame it as get the leads in your CRM with the data you need, but hit them with that personalized touch point on their way in, which most other platforms won't let you do. So what emerging tools or strategies do you see on the horizon? Because this is going to keep changing and students are going to keep wanting different ways of finding the right fit college. So where do you think this is all headed? 
Yeah, I would say probably just like everyone else that you've been talking to lately, artificial intelligence is absolutely the thing that's on our minds in the company. And I think from a resource and capacity perspective, it's also probably the most prevalent emerging tool that higher end marketers can really get comfortable with today. Internally at Loper, we use AI for something completely different than I would suggest your audience does. We use it to create super targeted, super accurate audiences for our customers to inform who they should be reaching out to. But y'all should be using it as your initial launch pad on your content creation. At the end of the day, one of the things that we talk to our partners about most is putting something down for the first time is easily the hardest part of any given task. That first draft, those first words on the page, that is always going to be the time that gets sucked up the most. If you're leveraging some of these copy editing and AI resources, whether it's a content creator like ChatGPT, Claude, or Bard, or if it's a copy editor like the Hemingway app, which I would really advocate for, I use that almost daily in my own communications. Getting comfortable with how artificial intelligence really works and embedding it into your daily practices wherever you can is going to be the thing that keeps you relevant in your profession for years to come. And I know I'm not the only person standing on that soapbox. No, I don't think so. And in fact, I've got a prior episode in this season, if anyone wants to check it out, with Alex Alstrom from Simpson Scarborough. And we really dig into how students are using AI in their search as well and, and the implications for higher ed marketing, because we've done a lot of talking about SEO, search engine optimization over the years, but now we have to think about how AI is going to pick up the messaging that we're putting out there and the information we're providing about our colleges too. So there's a link there for all of you. How can higher ed marketers stay ahead of this curve? Because these innovations are coming at us very fast and it feels hard to keep up. So do you have any tips for keeping up? Yeah. I would uh, first and foremost, I'd plug resources like this. Frankly, like you're going to get the best advice from folks that are on the ground and talking to podcasters, talking about how they're embedding daily practices, especially today as we're still building out all of those specific use cases. Just talking about what people are doing is going to be the best way to stay with the curve. And if I could just plug another person who's really big in the AI space, Bart Kaler, he is hosting an AI summit, I believe, in a few weeks. That will be an awesome opportunity to think about that in your daily practice. The other thing that you can do is really just as we did two years ago, get experimenting. Force yourself to try and do one of your exercises, leveraging one of these tools, and rely on the fact that there are millions of other people asking themselves the same question as you. So whether it's a YouTube channel that you find that has really good resources on ChatGPT, whether it's a forum or a newsletter that you sign up for, everyone is releasing information and it's really a matter of finding the right source for you and how you digest and learn. Awesome advice. Thank you so much. I want to ask a couple more questions. I've got I've got one more beefy question then one more everyone who listens in is used to how my final question goes, but my my first question before we wrap up is we talked a bit about Loper and I love Loper. I, I love it so much that I had to have Eric come on to talk about it and share it with everybody else because I, I think it's very promising for all the reasons that you all listen to. But in general, are there some other alternative channels and meth- methods that we all need to be thinking about aside from relying on the old school time kind of stuff that might be going out of style, like the standardized testing list? 
what what's on your mind? What should we be looking at? Yeah, what I'll actually give you here is my perspective that I've heard from students about how schools have remained amongst the most approachable outside of Loper, because we care a lot about this too. So one place that I would really encourage schools, and I know that it's probably a controversial investment, is to think about building up a community presence on some of those other types of social networks that are less familiar, like an Instagram, like not like an Instagram, but instead like a Reddit, excuse me. What we have seen as an example is some students really love when there are admissions reps representing a school on r slash applying to college, not necessarily sending branded content to students, but being a resource, being an advisor in the college process, that level of brand affinity is going to go light years for your name in a really, really, really big community. Separately, as you think about those channels where you're already spending time, what we've heard a lot from students is that micro-influencers particularly micro-influencers who are remaining on their own feeds versus going to a curated school feed have been unbelievably powerful in spreading brand affinity for schools. What we saw as a really good use case there I heard about in the conference in DC was actually, I believe it was Ohio State who had gone to students and just asked them to relabel their handles as like .osu influencer so that people knew that they were affiliated with Ohio State. And then apart from some light moderation, the student was able to run and just post about their life as if they were a regular old Ohio State student, which is really what micro-influencers are supposed to do. They're not supposed to do anything special. The last piece of advice I'd give here is to think about choosing your channel based on your content. We have one partner that's really big on this. So if you're doing something more community-driven and social, think about using AI on TikTok to pull together a stream of clips or do something similar on Instagram. But if you want to share something about an extracurricular, like an esports or a gaming club, why not test out an ad on Twitch or on YouTube and actually try a more targeted channel based on your audience? Even those light steps are things that when schools are willing to take the initial stabs at experimentation, they've seen awesome downstream impacts to their engagement. And thank you again for giving me this segue, Eric, because we also have an episode all about finding your school's micro-influencers. That's part of this season. So you can scroll back on the podcast wherever you're listening right now and you'll find that episode as well. All right, we're ready for our last question. What's the very first thing someone listening in right now should do after we wrap up here? What's their first step, even if it's a small one? Yep, I would ask yourself or go to your broader team and ask yourself one really important question. What mobile native channel are you using right now in your marketing communications flows? And have you done an audit on how effective it is to actually converting prospects into inquiries? If the answer there is anything more than none or just our admission social handles, you're actually light years ahead of everyone else in the space. If the answer is just my admission social handle, consider experimenting with something new to get comfortable with this idea of personalized content on the most targeted channel for Gen Z. There you have it. That's a wrap for this episode. A huge thank you to you, Eric, for providing invaluable insights into the future of how we should be reaching out to students. I shouldn't say future, the present and the future of how we should be reaching students. And to our listeners, be sure to check out Loper and explore the innovative solutions that they offer. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your colleagues in the world of higher ed marketing. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. 
Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.